please rise in body and spirit for the call to worship. God, we see you. May we see each other in your eyes. Grace surrounds the humble heart. Sharing in your bounty daily. May we embrace love. be seated. Our preacher this morning is Lynn Chittick, who some of you may know. Uh, Lynn is a seminarian under our care, which means we walk alongside her in the journey toward ordination. And she's been with us for some time, um, but this is her first time preaching, and so we're thrilled uh, to welcome you to the pulpit this morning, Lynn. I encourage you Um, either after today or in coming weeks as you encounter Lynn to get to know her and learn a little bit more about her journey. 
uh, toward ministry. She'll stick around for a little bit after the service today, but uh, her other gig is as a nurse, and she's got to go to work. So if she disappears, it's because of that. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, settle us into this time and into this place. Flow like a river of calm and vitality through this gathering. That all we're carrying might be swept away. That we might be buoyed by your presence. That we might know the Spirit is in this place. In these words of quiet, wash over us, O God. Now, O God, by your grace, may these ancient words read and these new words proclaimed be pleasing and acceptable to you, you who are our strength and our redeemer, we pray. Our first reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Second Corinthians. Listen for how the Spirit may be speaking to you today. Now, if the ministry of death, chiseled in letters on stone tablets, came in glory so that the people of Israel could not gaze at Moses' face because of the glory of his face, a glory now set aside, how much more will the ministry of the Spirit come in glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, much more does the ministry of justification abound in glory. Indeed, what once had glory has lost its glory because of the greater glory. For if what was set aside came through glory, much more has the permanent come in glory. Since then, we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, 
are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. morning. As we hear from Luke this morning, we look at the physician. He was a physician, and I just want to share thank you. Thanks be to God for this reading, the gospel of the word. Once when Jesus was praying alone with only the, the disciples near him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, but others, Elijah. And still others, that one of the ancient prophets has arisen. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, the Messiah of God. He sternly ordered and commanded them not to tell saying the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed on the third day, be risen. Then he said to them all, If you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, And those who lose their life for my sake will save it. What does it profit them if they gain the whole world but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words and them of the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father of the holy angels. But truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I want to just say a short prayer as I open up for the first time preaching with you, and I thank you, I thank Rob, and I thank Bethany for giving me this opportunity to serve. And I especially thank God and the community. Let us pray. Dearest beloved one, as we step into the threshold of this church, may we hear your holy wisdom and the witness of your words. May they flow like the river to each one of us. May they give us the grace and the belovedness that we all have come here to hear. Holy wisdom, holy word. Amen. So when we step into this threshold, you know, here and now, we step into the moment together, and we really step in for, I would say, a change, a transformation. We are molded, and we greet each other, and welcome new friends, and we read scripture, and we come here, and we pray, and we sing. And we make this beautiful moment of deepening and understanding of scripture. Now, as a seminarian, as some of you know, 
as Rob just described, we learn a lot. <laughs> we study, we try to bring something forward. And as I stepped into this week, I sat with the music. I sat in the pew where you are. I shaped, I was shaped by the new songs and the prayer and the holy book because one of my friends gave me that song and gave me the song we'll sing after. So as we are shaped, our moments together, I felt a little bit of pressure, as some of us do each day. We wake up, we might have a positive moment, and then all of a sudden there might be some pressure that steps into our lives. I did feel, as I sit here in front of you, stand here in front of you, relaxed in the most moment and in the moment that I share with you right now, because I changed my whole sermon the last two days because of a message that came from Pakistan. I changed it because I received a letter, and it was based in Urdu, a language I don't speak, a language I don't understand. But it gave me something with the scripture readings that I had been pondering all week, and I said to myself, I had to share it with you. I didn't want to share too much about my personal life, but the veil opened when I read this letter. One of my friends translated the letter, and it's from Kazrat Rai. He's the third top peace promoter in the world, and he's part of the team. He said, Today I'm flying to New Zealand, believing that my walk, which is going to start the 5th of March, from Wellington to Christchurch, by this peace walk, my country's peace image may be prevailed. Islamophobia may be discouraged. My walk is dedicated to those families and family members that were killed in the terrorist attack on the mosque Al-Nur at Christ Church. He went on in his letter, and I won't, dis I won't go forward, but he talked about Kashmir, where right now there's 8 million people affected, with war from India and Pakistan fighting with one another. But this is what really touched me to share this with you. As it was President's Week, right? President's Day, we just went through. He said, I will try to shake the heart of the world leaders so they only work for peace and betterment of our humanity. I'm going to read it one more time. I will try to shake the heart of world readers so they only work for peace and the betterment of humanity. Matthew 11, 29, 30 gives us a hint. Take up my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest into your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The Greek word for yoke is zugos, and I've been studying Greek as the good seminarian person that I am, and I wonder when I'm ever going to use it, so today we'll, we'll touch base. <laughs> um, it means, zugos means to join or couple together. We witness each other today in the scripture readings, and we touch each other's hearts with the words, the holy words. But Kazrat Rai really touched mine this week, and I hope that word touched you. 
as I thought that we're stepping into Ash Wednesday. Wednesday marks something very dear to me, and we can step into a new with each other through the words of Jesus. In Luke's message today, he asks his disciples, who do the crowds say that I am? And I wondered, why did he ask this of our beloved community? So today, I want to step in and ask you, who do you think he was? The questions that stand out as I went back to the yoke, to join or couple together, zugos, at times I feel a little bit raw, as each of us do, as we look at the situations that we have at hand. We have climate change, we have war, we have disrupt, we have the 8 million people in Kashmir, and these people of the people of God, I say that we witness in pain and trauma, and at times it's our own family members. I am sure that witnessing Jesus and all the miracles, the signs and wonders touched the community at that moment when Luke shares and Jesus and Peter and all of the disciples listen. The community has seen what he can do or move. He moves time and space. And as two Corinthians shared, they shared a moment of Moses today. And all week I was questioning, like, where does Moses stand for us into this week of transfiguration? How do we open up to Moses? How do we wonder? I I really was questioning, like, what would I have been in that community when Moses came down from the moment, the mountain? When he came down from that mountain, who would I have been as I witnessed his spirit? the spirit of God that enlightened him and the community around and gave us liberty, or does it? It was about how to understand and see the divide, the issues, the resemblances. You see in Corinthians, we stepped into Moses, and what I was thinking was how did people understand when he came down? True Corinthians tells us that they were glazing at the gazing at the glory. Sometimes it can be too much, right? Especially when our personal lives get engaged. It says that we put on a veil over our faces. We do not see each other. And the covenant of truth and the witness is sometimes just too much. So let's take a journey around the table together. I just want you to turn to a neighbor or pray in your seat by yourself. What does transfiguration mean to you? What does that transformation of that glory and that witness today mean? So we'll just pause for a minute. What would it be like if you were standing there? If you saw Jesus, what would it be like if you saw Moses shining in God's glory? What 
What would you have thought? The divine attributes, wisdom, power, and goodness, truth, faith, justice, mercy, they're all in this book, the holy book, right? We learn it each week as we step into our pews, as we step in community, and I want to say that we step in on a deep level because we are always transformed in this moment. So do we cover ourselves up with our own veil or do we reach out? Do we witness each other? I'm always being asked as a seminarian about the issues of climate change and political and war. And I believe Jesus is asking us to look at freedom when he asks us this question. Who do you think I am? I think he touches us back and I want to point again to Matthew 5:24. He says, first be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. When the oxen are in the field, and some of you don't know me that well, but I was a homesteading mom. I was a draft horse farmer, and I had a baby on my back as I plowed the fields. And there were times when my horse would be too rambunctious. But if we were together with two oxen and two oxen were pulling that plow, and if one was tugging against the other, we wouldn't get too far. The oxen story in Matthew always reminds us as a witness that they are a burden to one another, or as Zugo says, we pull together. Matthew gives us a view into how we pull against another instead of putting our energy together. The transfiguration into the mystery of Christ gives us something to deepen and bring witness as the children of God. It being and partaking into the liberty of freedom. It makes the connection in between walking in the spirit and being called to freedom. We must lift our veil from that freedom. <clears throat> Paul states in 2 Corinthians that the people of Israel could not gaze on Moses' face. And I wonder at times how much we don't gaze at each other and we don't go deep and we don't enrich in the witness of each other. I sometimes wonder why my own veil is shut down. Like Kashmir and the many places of the world, I have to stop and find a bit more about myself. And when I'm feeling this way, about a brother or sister that something might have happened or a discord in my life. I've learned about practice in seminary, and I've taught practice in seminary, and I believe that we as the people of God can help each other by helping remind each other through this Lenten season about practice. It goes on to say that Luke's gospel, when he asks us, who do we say the crowd's the crowds for me are the connection together because we whisper the words between each other, but I can only hope that we step into the day. So as I was walking in the last 24 hours, I found a little prayer, and I wanted to read it to you. It's a prayer that hung on my wall for my children. And right now, I just want you to step into that moment of a child. A prayer for very small children spoken by an adult, because I think it's a time when we, as the adults, 
need to be more adult. And as, we, as I read this to you, I pray that we can stand in this moment with each other. And as we look at the child, may light stream into you that can take hold of you. I follow its rays with the warmth of my love. I think with my thinking the best thoughts of joy. On the stirrings of your heart, may they strengthen you. May they carry you. May they cleanse you. I want together my thoughts of joy before the steps of your life, that they unite with your will for life so that it finds itself with strength in the world evermore through itself. As Jesus asks us to live the rays and the warmth of his love and the thinking of the deep thinking of that thoughts and joy, this prayer came to me and the stirrings of my heart were bubbling and I said I had to share it because I wanted you, my brothers and sisters, to share it with you in the midst of standing beside each other in the, in the gospel reading today to say when I see Jesus through each of you and through your hearts that we step in together and we ask, how are you doing? How can I be supportive? It's a time to be carried. It's a time to carry our brothers and sisters. It's a time of good thoughts when we step in over the threshold, but it's also a time of witness. It's a time when we mold each other and help each other shape. So through this Lenten season, I just want to go back to Exodus 20. The Lord says, I am Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God speaks. Lord is there as the freedom. And when Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say the crowds say, who do the who do you say the crowds say that I am? It goes on to say, he went through great suffering, and so do we. I believe we share that cross. It also says, let's, he tells us to take up the cross and follow me. One of the great passages that I've loved. But he also reminds us, reminds us and all of Luke reminds us that we pray. So the next part of the scripture tells us in the transfiguration that he goes to the mountain to pray he goes up to the mountain to pray but guess what he doesn't pray alone he takes peter and jacob with him he takes his disciples with him to pray and i think when as we step in for prayer and we step in that that veil can be lifted just a little bit with each of us when we step into prayer with each other, when we step into that inner witness of how I understand scripture today, that my practices support me on any given day as days get challenging, as a loved one in my family is hurting, as a loved one in your family is hurting. The veil gets heavy. And as I lift it up today to all of you in this community, I want to give you one quick witness of a short little time of Ash Wednesday when my girl was nine years old. I was a seminary student. I was finishing my first master's in Berkeley. And Rob, can I bring you up here for a minute? Depends what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
My little girl was nine, and I was running in seminary. You can, you can do that. <laughs> and, and I was, rem, you know, like, in seminary, you just race. You just go from one class, you go to reading, you have to write, I have to do this. And, and there was that moment, and I said to my friend, who was my daughter's really good friend, she babysat with her, I said, could you help Oriah with ashes? I have it. She said, I got it. So she took, this is what she did. Oriah, do you know how much Jesus loves you? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Nothing. And put the ashes on her head. You know, we step into this Ash Wednesday moment, and I want us to remind each other how much Jesus loves us, how much we are loved in this beloved community with these two amazing preachers, how much we're loved as we step into our own transfiguration through this Lenten season. Let us remind each other of the beloved community that we have, and let us not forget the adult conversation. We can step into this this little prayer to help each other strengthen to the little children that we are. And you're more than welcome anytime to, to come to me or any of us in this community that serves. But with each other, I pray that we build a strong community, that we build the time of this Lenten season, that we bear witness to the moral goodness that we've been given in this holy witness of this book. As we stand in peace with each other, May we stand to support one another and in witness of love that we have all been given by the holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
Let's join our voices and our hearts with the community prayer. Let us pray. Beloved one, you offer the deep witness of your creation. As we greet each day, may we greet one another with kindness, with care, and with your joy. We ask for ears to hear you, for eyes to see your way, and for feet to walk witness of your love. Through grace, may we walk through our day today and each day open to learning, growing, and understanding one another. May we pause, may we seek humility through your witness of this loving and bountiful earth. May you open us to see the curiosity of joy each and every day. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. In Christ there is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Know that you've been forgiven. Know that you are set free and be at peace. Amen. Having prayed with one voice and having had time for quiet prayer, now is a time for you to offer your prayers aloud. Ever listening, ever present God, you hear the prayers of your people. God, in your grace, in your prayer.
give you thanks for time away this week, and time in San Diego seeing Wildlife Park. For all creatures, great and small, O oh God, I give you thanks. I also pray, O oh God, for the family of Elizabeth Stromberg in the wake of her death this Saturday. Surround them, especially Jackson, with your love and your care. God, in your grace, hear our prayer. Hear our prayer. God, we give you thanks for this time of worship, for the sharing of the word from Lynn. We pray for the 10 o'clock service with the young people leading the way, for the myriad of ways in which people can point to you and in doing so point to their deepest and best selves. Gracious God, you hear the prayers of your people, offered in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
you go in peace. May we be welcome throughout the season of Lent. May we be blessed in the moments that we share with each other. And may we remind each other that Jesus loves us. Amen. Amen.